you are now tuned into World War II Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, and I'm here to take you on a journey through the whirlwind of historical events that shaped our world and defined generations. Stay tuned every Tuesday and Thursday as we delve into the riveting, inspiring, and sometimes tragic stories from World War II. We'll meet the brave men and women who stood up to tyranny, we'll explore clandestine operations and daring escapes, and we'll pay tribute to the resilience of the human spirit in times of extreme adversity. Also, be sure to check out our other podcast focusing on World War I, the conflict that set the stage for the global turmoil that followed. Use the link in the description below. In the heart of Italy, perched atop a steep hill, stands the Abbey of Monte Cassino, a structure that bears witness to a millennium of history. But amidst its timeline of faith and learning, there is a chapter that stands in stark contrast, a chapter smeared in the blood and iron of war. The year was 1944, and the world was enmeshed in the throes of the Second World War. Italy had become a battleground where the ambitions of the Allied forces collided with the tenacity of Nazi Germany. On this stage of war, Monte Cassino transformed from a tranquil abbey to a strategic citadel that held the key to Rome and the soul of Italy. In the fierce battles that unfolded on its slopes, the very course of the war would be affected. This conflict, known to history as the Battle of Monte Cassino, wasn't just a clash of armies. It was a contest of strategies, wills, and fates. It brought together a medley of troops from different nations from the seasoned German divisions entrenched in the Gustav Line to the multinational allies determined to break it, each with their hopes, fears, and destinies. The saga of Monte Cassino is one of incredible human endurance, controversial decisions, and immense destruction, a chapter where the devastation of war and the preservation of cultural heritage grimly met. But it is also a story of determination and courage, a testament to the human spirit's indomitable resolve. The echoes of the battle still resonate today, influencing our understanding of conflict, strategy, and the high price of war. In the pages that follow, we will journey back to those tumultuous months of 1944, where every decision could tip the balance of the war. We will traverse the challenging terrain, stand with the generals deliberating in their command posts, and fight alongside the soldiers braving bullets and shells. We will witness the iconic moments that define the battle, feel the tremors of artillery fire, and understand the lasting legacy this historical event has imprinted on the world. Prepare for a trip back in time to the Battle of Monte Cassino, a journey that promises to be as enlightening as it is engrossing. Chapter 1. Prelude to the Battle Monte Cassino, a historic hilltop abbey, held a strategic significance during World War II that belied its peaceful origins. The sprawling monastery was established in the 6th century by St. Benedict of Nursia, a key figure in the establishment of Western monasticism. By 1944, it had grown to become not only a symbol of the Catholic Church's endurance but also a commanding viewpoint overseeing the valleys and pathways of central Italy. As the maelstrom of war arrived in Italy, the majestic mountain and its renowned monastery turned into a stage of immense strategic importance. Situated around 130 kilometers southeast of Rome, the abbey, 
which seemed to pierce the heavens with its cross-topped pinnacle, rested at the highest point of the rocky massif, granting a sweeping view of the surrounding landscape. It was in the shadow of this imposing structure that Field Marshal Albert Kesselring, an astute German commander, sought to establish the Gustav Line, a formidable line of defense running across the Italian peninsula. Kesselring, a decorated veteran of the First World War, was a methodical planner and a skilled tactician. His extensive experience led him to recognize the defensive potential of the natural terrain, especially Monte Cassino. By fortifying positions around the mountain and the town below, the German forces could effectively control the main routes to Rome. The rugged slopes offered an ideal location for Kesselring's soldiers to dig in and set up their machine gun nests, artillery placements, and observation posts. From the monastery, they could monitor every move of the Allied forces, making it extraordinarily difficult for the latter to advance without incurring heavy losses. For the Allies, taking control of Monte Cassino was a tactical necessity. It was a formidable roadblock on their path to liberate Rome and continue their northward push into the heart of Nazi-occupied Europe. Leading the Allied charge were figures like General Harold Alexander, an esteemed British military leader, and General Mark Clark of the United States. Both were well aware that dislodging the German defenders from the steep slopes of Monte Cassino would be a Herculean task. Yet, they also recognized that without capturing this strategic high ground, their broader objectives in Italy would remain unattainable. The stage was set for a series of grueling encounters, a testament to the strategic importance of Monte Cassino. The German troops stood ready, heavily fortified in their positions with Kesselring's precise planning evident in their preparations. On the other side, the Allied generals and their diverse multinational forces stared up at the imposing hilltop, determined to break the Gustav line and advance their cause. What would follow was a sequence of events, a turning point in World War II, forever seared into the annals of history. At the heart of the Battle of Monte Cassino was a unique ensemble of military leaders and soldiers. They came from different corners of the globe, their destinies converging on the rugged slopes of this strategic mountain. Their decisions, courage, and tenacity would profoundly shape the events that transpired on this Italian battleground. In the German corner stood Field Marshal Albert Kesselring. An imposing figure, his grey-blue eyes mirrored a mind sharp with military prowess one that had swiftly identified the potential of the mountainous terrain around Monte Cassino. Known for his methodical approach and his strategic acumen, Kesselring prepared the German defenses around the mountain with meticulous precision. His vision was to convert this sacred site into an impregnable fortress that would serve as the bulwark against the Allied forces. Against him, the Allies marshaled a diverse and able group of commanders. One of these was General Harold Alexander, a British military leader held in high esteem by his peers. With his calm demeanor, tall stature, and steely gaze, Alexander commanded a formidable presence. A veteran of both world wars, his astute leadership had earned him the respect of his troops and fellow officers alike. He was well aware of the daunting task before him but remained resolute in his mission to breach the Gustav Line. American General Mark Clark, commander of the Fifth Army, 
stood shoulder to shoulder with Alexander in this endeavor. Clark, a man with a bold personality, was known for his tactical brilliance. His striking features, characterized by a broad forehead, intense eyes, and a soldierly mustache, reflected his hardened resolve. His ambition was to not just capture Monte Cassino, but to liberate Rome and etch his name in history. Adding to this formidable array of Allied commanders was Lieutenant General Oliver Lease, leader of the British Eighth Army. Lease, a man of quiet determination, was a skilled tactician, known for his careful planning and steady leadership. His prominent cheekbones and intense gaze mirrored his steely resolve as he readied his forces to engage in this crucial battle. Further, the battle was not solely a contest between German and Anglo-American forces. Men from all around the globe fought here New Zealanders, Indians, Poles, French, Canadians, and more. Each brought their unique bravery and dedication to the task, their actions vital in turning the tide of this strategic confrontation. These key players on the stage of Monte Cassino brought their distinct personalities, strategic minds, and relentless spirit to the fore. Their actions and decisions, as much as the bullets and shells, would determine the outcome of this seminal clash. The echoes of their battles still reverberate in the silent halls of the rebuilt abbey and across the now tranquil slopes of Monte Cassino, a poignant testament to a time when the fate of nations rested in their hands. As the pivotal year of 1944 dawned, a palpable sense of anticipation clung to the air around Monte Cassino. The distant rumble of tanks and the regular cadence of marching boots signified the gathering storm, a coming confrontation that would shape the destiny of Italy and potentially tip the balance of World War II. Field Marshal Kesselring, ensconced in his command post, focused his steely gaze on the task at hand. His soldiers, drawn from some of the finest units in the Wehrmacht, worked tirelessly to strengthen their defensive positions along the Gustav Line. The hammering and clanging of tools filled the air as bunkers were reinforced, trenches dug, and artillery positions carefully masked. Soldiers trained relentlessly, their faces etched with determination, aware of the formidable challenge they were about to face. Against them, an equally resolute band of allies was preparing for battle. Generals Alexander and Clark, along with Lease, meticulously reviewed their plans. Their forces, a diverse collection of troops from across the world, engaged in intensive training. The chilly Italian winter was filled with the sights and sounds of soldiers performing drills, weapons being tested, and supplies being meticulously rationed. The New Zealanders, with their spirit of resilience, trained under the firm but fair command of Lieutenant General Bernard Freiburg. The Indian contingent, drawn from the British Indian Army, was an ensemble of Gurkhas, Punjabis, and Marathas, each bringing a unique legacy of martial traditions. These men, far from home, worked with a sense of camaraderie and shared purpose, their hearts filled with the determination to prove their mettle on this foreign soil. Meanwhile, the Poles, under the inspirational leadership of General Vladislav Anders, were particularly eager to face the Germans. Having escaped the clutches of both the Soviets and the Nazis, their desire for revenge was fueled by the atrocities their homeland had endured. 
Their voices rose in unison as they sang their traditional songs, adding a layer of poignant determination to the unfolding scene. In the French camps, soldiers from North Africa added their unique charm and spirit. Driven by a fervent desire to liberate their colonial master's homeland, their zeal was a sight to behold. General Alphonse Juin, their commander, held his beret-clad troops in high regard, his faith in their abilities evident in his confident demeanor. The storm was gathering, and the air was thick with anticipation. The tranquility of the ancient abbey atop Monte Cassino was about to be shattered, replaced by the thunderous cacophony of battle. The commanders, each carrying the weight of their nation's hopes, were acutely aware that the coming days would demand every ounce of their leadership, courage, and tactical brilliance. They understood that the unfolding Battle of Monte Cassino wasn't just a chapter in the broader canvas of World War II, but a pivotal moment that would cast long shadows on the pages of history. Chapter 2 The First Battle In the theater of war surrounding Monte Cassino, a significant act was about to unfold aptly codenamed Operation Raincoat. This was a meticulously planned assault by the British Eighth Army, led by the unassuming yet highly skilled Lieutenant General Oliver Leese. It was late November 1943, and Leese had a crucial objective in mind, to breach the formidable defenses of the Gustav Line by capturing key vantage points around the town of Monte Camino. Leese's command was composed of the 56th Division and the 5th Division, two capable and experienced units from the British Army. Supporting them were soldiers from the 46th Division and the 7th Armored Division, the famous Desert Rats, known for their feats in North Africa. Each soldier, whether a grizzled veteran or a fresh recruit, felt a shiver of anticipation as Operation Raincoat loomed. The terrain they were to cross was far from friendly. It was an uphill battle, quite literally, with the German positions strategically placed on higher ground. The rocky slopes, dense foliage, and steep ravines added an extra layer of difficulty to their task. The harsh winter weather, with rain and snow, made conditions even more challenging, lending an ironic twist to the operation's codename. Against them, the German soldiers stood firm, their defenses meticulously prepared under Kesselring's keen eye. The usually serene Monte Camino was now transformed into a fortified hill, bristling with well-camouflaged machine-gun nests, interlocking fields of fire, and fortified positions embedded into the slopes. As Operation Raincoat kicked off, the surrounding valleys echoed with the deafening sound of artillery fire. The British Eighth Army advanced under the cover of this barrage, their hearts pounding, as they began their perilous ascent. The battle became a brutal dance of life and death, marked by the deafening roar of gunfire, the line of artillery shells, and the chilling staccato of machine gun fire. Despite the fierce resistance, the Allies gradually made headway. They showcased an inspiring blend of courage, determination, and tactical ingenuity, seizing key German positions one by one. Their progress, though slow, began to undermine the German defenses. By the end of the operation, the Allies had successfully captured several important points, including Monte Camino and Monte La Difensa. The German defenses had been significantly weakened, setting the stage for the main attack on Monte Cassino. 
Operation Raincoat, despite its challenges, marked a crucial step towards the ultimate goal of capturing Monte Cassino. It showcased the unyielding spirit of the Allied forces and served as a testament to the determination of the commanders leading them. Even as the echoes of battle began to fade, the seeds of further confrontations were being sown, steadily shaping the course of the epic struggle that was to unfold in the shadow of the historic abbey. In the bone-chilling winter of 1944, as the snow blanketed the rugged slopes of Monte Cassino, another dramatic act of this battlefield drama unfolded at the banks of the Rapido River. This swift-flowing waterway, its icy currents cutting through the Italian countryside, was to be the scene of a grim and grinding stalemate that marked a critical juncture in the Battle of Monte Cassino. At the heart of this chapter was the ambitious General Mark Clark, known for his bold, if somewhat audacious, approach to warfare. The plan he oversaw, crafted by Major General Fred Walker, was as bold as the man himself. It involved the 36th Infantry Division, mostly made up of men from Texas, making a direct assault across the Rapido River. Clark and Walker hoped that this daring maneuver would outflank the German defenses and provide a direct route to Rome. Yet, the plan was fraught with risk. The Rapido River, while not particularly wide, was fast-flowing and treacherous. The surrounding landscape was crisscrossed with irrigation ditches, making it an extremely challenging terrain for an offensive operation. In preparation for the assault, the soldiers of the 36th Division trained rigorously. Their faces, hardened by the harsh winter and the anticipation of the looming battle, mirrored the sheer determination that filled their hearts. Underneath the veneer of bravado, they were well aware of the formidable task ahead. The Germans, on the other side of the river, were not idle. Their defensive preparations, orchestrated under Kesselring's watchful eyes, were as rigorous as ever. They had effectively transformed the opposite bank of the river into a deadly maze of mines, barbed wire, and machine gun nests. As the assault began, the quiet night air was shattered by the sounds of gunfire and explosions. The Texan soldiers, despite their courage and tenacity, faced a nightmarish scenario. The river's icy currents, compounded by the relentless German fire, took a devastating toll. Many never reached the opposite shore. The following days saw a grim stalemate, with the Allies unable to secure a foothold across the river and the Germans stubbornly holding their positions. The 36th Division, having suffered significant losses, found their spirits dampened, their initial zeal replaced by a grim resolve. In the end, the assault on the Rapido River did not achieve its ambitious objectives. It proved to be a costly venture, both in terms of human lives and morale. Yet, it also served as a stark reminder of the harsh realities of war and the immense challenges that lay ahead in the quest to capture Monte Cassino. The stalemate at the Rapido River was a sobering episode in the larger narrative of the Battle of Monte Cassino. Its memory would linger in the hearts of those who survived, a testament to the courage and sacrifice of the men who dared to cross a treacherous river under fire, and a stark lesson on the unpredictable nature of war. With the grim stalemate at the Rapido River still fresh in their memories, 
the Allies regrouped for a new phase in their relentless pursuit of Monte Cassino, the first assault on the historic abbey itself. This monumental structure, towering above the surrounding landscape, was seen as the key to unlocking the German defensive line. The man chosen to lead this crucial endeavor was none other than Lieutenant General Mark W. Clark. General Clark, his determination as steadfast as ever, meticulously planned the assault. His forces included the seasoned 2nd New Zealand Division, led by the stalwart Lieutenant General Bernard Freiburg, and the 4th Indian Division. The sight of these troops, a diverse mix of Kiwis and Indians, preparing for battle was a testament to the global nature of this conflict. In the cold, clear light of a February morning in 1944, the first assault on the Abbey commenced. The Allies had hoped for the element of surprise, but the German defenders, nestled in their positions around the Abbey, were ready. The echoes of Monte Cassino's peaceful past were shattered by the thunderous sound of artillery and the sharp staccato of machine gun fire. The initial phase of the attack saw fierce fighting, with the New Zealanders and Indians advancing doggedly against stubborn German resistance. Men from distant lands found common ground in their shared determination, their valor evident as they inched forward under a hail of bullets and shells. The New Zealand Maori Battalion, renowned for their bravery, played a pivotal role. With their traditional battle cries giving a unique soundtrack to the fight, they stormed German positions with a raw courage that inspired their comrades. Supporting them, the Indian troops, their hearts filled with a fierce resolve, faced the German fire with stoicism. The Gurkhas, known for their exceptional bravery, used their traditional Kokuri knives in close-quarter combat, their fearless actions embodying the spirit of their regimental motto, better to die than be a coward. Despite their courage and determination, the Allies found the task of dislodging the German defenders more challenging than anticipated. The Abbey's strategic position, coupled with the strong German defenses, proved a formidable obstacle. Each attempt to advance was met with deadly fire, and each yard gained came at a high cost. By the end of this initial assault, the Allies had made some progress, but the Abbey remained in German hands. It was a sobering reality that underscored the enormity of the task ahead. Yet, the Allies, undeterred by the setback, remained resolute. Their courage and determination were unbroken, their spirits unbowed. The first assault on the Abbey, while not achieving its primary objective, added another layer to the unfolding narrative of the Battle of Monte Cassino. It was a stark testament to the courage of the soldiers who fought there and a poignant reminder of the immense challenges that lay ahead in the journey to break the Gustav Line and liberate Rome. Chapter 3 The Second and Third Battles By February 1944, the Battle of Monte Cassino had reached a grim impasse. The once bustling town at the base of the historic abbey was now reduced to a jumble of rubble. The majestic Monte Cassino Abbey, perched atop the hill, stood defiantly against this backdrop of devastation. It was in these dire circumstances that the Allies took a controversial decision that would forever alter the landscape of the battlefield and the course of the battle, the bombing of Monte Cassino Abbey. The man at the center of this decision was Lieutenant General Mark Clark. The decision was not taken lightly. 
Clark knew that the Abbey held not only strategic value but also immense historical and cultural significance. But the belief was growing that German forces were using it as a fortress. The situation was desperate, and desperate times called for desperate measures. In the early morning of February 15, 1944, the stillness of the Italian winter was shattered by the drone of aircraft engines. A fleet of American B-17 bombers, known as Flying Fortresses, took to the sky. The aircraft, laden with explosives, cast ominous shadows over the landscape as they approached their target. On the ground, soldiers on both sides could only watch in stunned silence as the spectacle unfolded. The first bombs fell, and in an instant, the Serene Abbey was transformed into a cauldron of smoke, fire, and dust. The shockwaves from the explosion echoed across the valley, a chilling testament to the destructive power unleashed. Amid the smoke and dust, the abbey crumbled. Centuries of history vanished in an inferno, reducing the once majestic edifice to a pile of rubble. For the soldiers who witnessed this spectacle, it was a sight they would never forget, a poignant blend of awe, sadness, and a stark realization of the grim realities of war. Ironically, the destruction of the Abbey did not deliver the strategic advantage the Allies had hoped for. If anything, the rubble provided the Germans with better defensive positions, making their stronghold even more difficult to breach. The bombing of Monte Cassino Abbey remains one of the most controversial episodes of World War II. It changed the landscape of the battlefield and cast a long shadow on the battle that was still raging around the ruins. Yet, in the grand narrative of the Battle of Monte Cassino, it served as a stark reminder of the extremes to which humanity can go in times of war, and the heavy price paid in the name of victory. After the ashes of the bombed abbey had settled, the Allies prepared for their next move. This was a fresh phase of the ongoing struggle, dubbed the Second Battle of Monte Cassino. General Sir Harold Alexander, a respected figure in the Allied ranks, was now overseeing the operations. He recognized the challenge ahead of the Germans, ensconced amid the ruins, were more fortified than before. Yet, the resolve to break through remained unwavering. The men chosen for this task were the New Zealand Corps, comprising the 2nd New Zealand and 4th Indian Divisions, alongside the 78th British Division. Their commander was Lieutenant General Bernard Freiburg, a seasoned warrior known for his dogged tenacity. Under his watchful eyes, the soldiers prepared for the daunting task that lay ahead. On February 15, 1944, as the winter chill hung heavy in the air, the second assault began. The sounds of war once again echoed across the valley, shattering the brief lull that had followed the bombing. Gunfire, explosions, and cries of soldiers filled the air as the Allies launched their attack against the German positions. The New Zealanders, their faces etched with determination, pushed forward amid a hailstorm of bullets. Their Maori battalion, undeterred by the ferocity of the German fire, led a spirited attack. The men, their hearts filled with the spirit of their ancestors, braved the onslaught with unwavering courage. Parallelly, the Indian troops, displaying their characteristic grit, advanced against the formidable German defenses. The Gurkhas, once again, were at the forefront. Despite the lethal barrage of German fire, 
They moved ahead, their faces a picture of raw courage and unyielding determination. In the midst of this fierce struggle, there was a glimmer of hope for the Allies. The town of Casino, at the foot of the hill, had been captured. This was a crucial strategic gain, but the main objective, the Abbey, still remained beyond their reach. By the end of this second battle, the Allies had made some progress, but at a heavy cost. Despite their courage and determination, the German defenses had proven incredibly difficult to breach. The Second Battle of Monte Cassino, although not yielding the desired result, marked yet another phase in this grueling conflict. It underscored the tenacity of the Allied forces, their undying resolve to push through, and the formidable resistance posed by the German defenders. Amid the echoes of gunfire and the rubble of a once magnificent abbey, the stage was set for the further acts of this dramatic struggle. The Battle of Monte Cassino had entered its third phase, a testament to the persistence and resilience of the Allied forces. With the previous assaults having failed to break the German line, a fresh plan was devised under the keen strategical eye of General Sir Harold Alexander. This time, the onus fell on the shoulders of the men of the 2nd New Zealand Division and the British 78th Infantry Division. The 2nd New Zealand Division, led by the indomitable Lieutenant General Bernard Freiburg, had proven their mettle in the previous stages of the conflict. Their determination was mirrored in the eyes of their British counterparts, who knew the gravity of the task ahead. Together, these men braced for another round of bitter combat in the shadow of the ruined abbey. The third assault on Monte Cassino commenced on March 15, 1944, with the men advancing under a cover of a heavy artillery barrage. Their path was littered with the scars of past battles, rubble, cratered landscapes, and the silent reminders of the conflict's human toll. Despite these stark reminders of the challenge that lay ahead, the soldiers pressed on, their spirits unbroken. The New Zealanders, their courage undimmed by the setbacks, were at the forefront. Their every move was met with fierce German resistance, yet they advanced, their resolve fueled by their previous experiences. Parallel to them, the British soldiers from the 78th Infantry Division made their move. They grappled with the challenging terrain, the relentless German fire, and their own fears and anxieties. Every yard gained was a testament to their bravery and tenacity. Despite the valiant efforts of the Allies, the German defenses held firm. The Allies found themselves pinned down in the town of Casino, unable to make significant progress. The grim reality was setting in, despite their best efforts, the German stronghold on Monte Cassino remained unbroken. The Third Battle of Monte Cassino, while failing to achieve its primary objective, showcased the Allies' indomitable spirit and their refusal to admit defeat. The bombed-out abbey, standing as a grim sentinel over the battlefield, bore silent witness to the valor of the men who fought tirelessly amid its ruins. Even as this stage of the battle concluded, the Allies were undeterred, readying themselves for another attempt to break the German stranglehold. Chapter 4 The Final Assault By May 1944, after multiple failed attempts to seize Monte Cassino, the Allies sought a change in strategy. Enter Operation Diadem, the plan devised to launch a massive offensive against the Gustav Line. General Sir Harold Alexander, 
whose leadership had been instrumental throughout the campaign, was the architect of this ambitious operation. Operation Diadem relied on sheer force, planning to deploy 13 divisions across a 20-mile front. At the heart of this force were the British 8th Army and the U.S. 5th Army, led by General Oliver Lease and Lieutenant General Mark Clark, respectively. The objective was clear, break the German lines, capture Monte Cassino, and liberate Rome. The pre-dawn hours of May 11, 1944, marked the commencement of Operation Diadem. Under the cover of darkness, the Allies launched their assault. Artillery shells tore through the silence of the Italian night, raining destruction on the German positions. The earth shook under the relentless barrage, a harbinger of the fierce struggle to come. With the break of dawn, the Allied infantry began their advance. The British Eighth Army, displaying characteristic determination, pressed against the German defenses. They were the hammer to the anvil, pushing against the German positions while the U.S. Fifth Army maneuvered to encircle them. At the same time, the U.S. Fifth Army, under the command of Clark, launched their offensive. American and French soldiers moved in unison, their spirits unbroken despite the formidable German resistance. Their determination was mirrored in their British counterparts' efforts, creating a concerted push against the German lines. By May 17, the strategic town of Casino fell to the Polish Second Corps, a moment that brought hope to the weary soldiers. And on May 18, the Polish troops finally raised their flag over the ruins of the Monte Casino Abbey. It was a symbolic victory that marked a turning point in the battle. Operation Diadem had achieved its objective. After months of brutal struggle, the Allies had broken the Gustav Line. This success was a testament to their resolve, strategic planning, and the courage of the men who had fought through the adversity. The road to Rome lay open, a beacon of hope in the grim narrative of the war. This massive operation was the climax of the Battle of Monte Cassino, signaling the beginning of the end for the German presence in Italy. After a brutal campaign lasting over five months and encompassing four fierce battles, the moment of truth finally arrived for the Allies at Monte Cassino. The focus of this momentous occasion was the Polish Second Corps, led by the charismatic and determined General Władysław Anders. The Polish soldiers, many of whom had endured immense hardship during the war, bore a spirit of resolve that had remained unbroken throughout the battles. As they prepared for the assault on the Abbey, they knew they were on the precipice of making history. On May 18, 1944, under a sky painted with the first rays of dawn, the Polish two corps made their final push. The men, their hearts heavy with anticipation, moved through the ruins of Casino Town towards the hill that had become synonymous with resistance and struggle. They faced stiff opposition from the German defenders. Despite the toll of the past months, the Germans held their ground, resolved to make the Poles pay for every inch of ground. Yet, the Poles pushed on, their determination fueled by the knowledge that victory was within their grasp. As they fought their way up the hill, the shadow of the ruined abbey loomed overhead. Its battered facade, stripped of its former glory, still held an air of quiet defiance that resonated with the men. It had become a symbol of their struggle, a beacon they were inexorably drawn to. 
Finally, amid the sounds of battle, a group of Polish soldiers reached the summit. The moment they had fought so hard for had arrived. As they unfurled the red and white flag of Poland over the ruins, cheers of victory echoed across the battlefield. The once formidable German stronghold had fallen. The capture of the abbey was a significant milestone in the Battle of Monte Cassino. It marked the culmination of months of intense struggle, signifying the Allies' resilience, determination, and the indomitable human spirit. For the Poles, it held particular significance, serving as a symbol of their contribution to the war effort and their resilience in the face of adversity. But beyond the immediate elation, the capture of the Abbey signaled a broader shift in the war. It marked the shattering of the Gustav Line, setting the stage for the liberation of Rome and the gradual defeat of the German forces in Italy. With the capture of Monte Cassino, the Gustav Line had been effectively breached. This marked a turning point in the Italian campaign, clearing the path for the Allies to advance on Rome. Leading this decisive move was Lieutenant General Mark Clark, commander of the U.S. Fifth Army, a charismatic leader known for his audacity and strategic acumen. After the fall of Monte Cassino, Clark faced a critical decision. He could either attempt to trap the retreating German Tenth Army or charge straight towards Rome. He chose the latter, setting in motion a race against time to liberate the Eternal City. The Allied forces moved swiftly. Their path was arduous, as they navigated through difficult terrain, sporadic German resistance, and the physical and mental toll of months of combat. Yet, their eyes remained fixed on their goal, the liberation of Rome. Among them, the men of the U.S. 36th Infantry Division stood out. They had fought bravely at the Rapido River and had seen the horrors of war firsthand at Monte Cassino. Now, they were at the forefront of the march towards Rome, their spirits undeterred by the challenges they had faced. The French Expeditionary Corps also played a pivotal role in the advance. Led by General Alphonse Juin, they showcased their martial prowess by keeping the retreating German forces engaged and preventing them from reinforcing Rome. On June 4, 1944, two days after the fall of Monte Cassino, the U.S. Fifth Army entered Rome. The city, which had been under German control since September 1943, was finally liberated. As the Allied soldiers marched through the city's streets, they were greeted by jubilant crowds. The air was thick with relief, joy, and a sense of hope that the end of the war was near. The breakthrough to Rome was a milestone in the Allied campaign in Italy. It marked the first liberation of an Axis capital, a feat that resonated far beyond Italy's borders. More importantly, it was a testament to the persistence, courage, and sacrifices of the men and women who had fought to bring an end to German control. The fall of Rome marked the beginning of the end of the Second World War in Europe, a crucial turning point that would ultimately lead to the Allies' victory. Chapter 5 Aftermath and Impact on World War II in the wake of the Allied victory, as the cheers echoed and the triumphant soldiers marched through Rome's liberated streets, the realities of the Battle of Monte Cassino began to truly sink in. Behind the victory lay a profound human cost that had touched every nation involved in the campaign. The Battle of Monte Cassino was one of the most grueling and prolonged engagements of World War II. 
It had raged over five bloody months, involving troops from many nations, and the casualties were staggering. More than 55,000 Allied soldiers had been killed, wounded, or reported missing, while the German forces had suffered nearly 20,000 casualties. Among the Allies, the soldiers of the U.S. 36th Infantry Division and the British 78th Infantry Division bore a significant portion of these losses. They had been at the heart of the struggle, their ranks filled with men who had given their lives in the pursuit of freedom. On the other side of the front line, the German defenders had fought tenaciously, paying a heavy price in the process. They had stood their ground under the relentless pressure of the Allied assault, their ranks dwindling with each wave of attack. However, the cost was not only felt on the battlefield. The destruction of the Abbey of Monte Cassino, a place of religious significance and a symbol of Italy's cultural heritage, was a deep wound to the Italian psyche. Its loss was a poignant reminder of the broader destruction that the war had inflicted on societies and cultures. The civilian population, too, suffered immensely. Thousands were displaced, their homes and livelihoods destroyed. The scars of war were etched into the landscape in the hearts of those who had once lived in the shadow of Monte Cassino. The human cost of the Battle of Monte Cassino was a stark reminder of the realities of war. The victory had come at a high price, a price paid in lives and shared suffering. The ruins of the Abbey, standing defiantly amid the devastation, served as a silent testament to this toll, a solemn reminder of the cost of conflict and the resilience of the human spirit. The Battle of Monte Cassino, in all its gritty details, was a critical juncture in the strategic narrative of World War II. The strategic outcome reached beyond the liberated streets of Rome, echoing throughout the conflict-ridden European theater. The capture of Monte Cassino and the subsequent fall of Rome marked the first significant breach of the German defensive lines in Italy. The Gustav Line, once thought impregnable, had been shattered. This sent a clear message to the Axis powers, the Allied forces were advancing, their momentum unstoppable. For the Allies, the victory proved a morale boost that echoed across the ranks of soldiers, from the weary infantrymen to the strategic commanders. General Sir Harold Alexander, Field Marshal Bernard Montgomery, Lieutenant General Mark Clark, and General Alphonse Juin, these men stood at the heart of the campaign, their leadership instrumental in driving the offensive forward. The battle also forced the German High Command to reconsider their strategic positioning. Field Marshal Albert Kesselring, who had expertly managed the defense of Italy, found his forces stretched thin and morale deteriorating. The failure to hold Monte Cassino and Rome compelled the Germans to withdraw to the north, reinforcing the Gothic line in an attempt to halt the Allied advance. Moreover, the liberation of Rome was a diplomatic victory. It marked the first Axis capital to fall into Allied hands, a fact that was not lost on the global stage. This was a potent symbol of the turn of the tide against the Axis powers, reinforcing the resolve of the Allies and demoralizing the enemy. Yet, the strategic success did not come without controversy. Lieutenant General Mark Clark's decision to push towards Rome rather than attempt to encircle the retreating German 10th Army was scrutinized. 
Some argued that this decision allowed a significant number of German troops to escape and strengthen the defenses to the north. Nevertheless, the Battle of Monte Cassino marked a pivotal shift in the balance of power in the Italian campaign. Despite the heavy losses, it paved the way for further Allied advances, edging the world one step closer to the end of the cataclysmic conflict that was World War II. The significance of the Battle of Monte Cassino cannot be viewed solely within the confines of the Italian campaign. Its influence extended far beyond the Gustav Line, contributing to the larger goal of the liberation of Europe from Nazi control. The victory at Monte Cassino had several far-reaching implications. Firstly, it tied down significant German forces that could have otherwise been used on other fronts. At a time when the Eastern Front was witnessing brutal battles, the commitment of German troops in Italy served to alleviate some pressure on the Soviet Union, an ally crucial to the overall war effort. In the grand design of Allied strategy, Monte Cassino was a critical link in the plan to create multiple fronts against the Axis powers. The Italian campaign, of which Monte Cassino was a part, was designed to divert German resources from the Eastern Front and prepare the ground for the invasion of France. When the Normandy landings occurred on June 6, 1944, less than two weeks after the capture of Monte Cassino, the German forces were stretched thin across multiple fronts, hampering their ability to mount an effective defense. Leaders such as Winston Churchill and General Dwight D. Eisenhower recognized the strategic importance of the Italian campaign. It helped create a second front which divided the Axis powers, weakened their hold, and set the stage for further Allied advancements. Moreover, the fall of Rome provided a significant boost to the Allied morale and sent a strong message to the world. The Axis powers were retreating, and the liberation of Europe was within reach. This had a profound effect on public sentiment, bolstering support for the war effort among the Allies. However, the importance of the Battle of Monte Cassino goes beyond military strategy and psychological warfare. It underscored the spirit of international cooperation that was key to the Allied victory. Soldiers from different countries and continents fought side by side, each contributing to the monumental task of liberating Europe. In the grand scheme of World War II, the Battle of Monte Cassino was a significant step forward on the arduous path towards victory. It symbolized the resilience, determination, and unity of the Allies virtues that would eventually lead to the end of Nazi tyranny in Europe. Chapter 6 Legacy of the Battle of Monte Cassino In the aftermath of the Battle of Monte Cassino, amidst the scorched earth and shattered lives, rose the story of the reconstruction of the Abbey a story of resilience and hope. The Abbey, once a beacon of peace, lay in ruins. Its centuries-old architecture and invaluable artifacts were reduced to rubble, a victim of the relentless aerial bombings. The sight of its devastated form atop the barren hill was a heart-rending reminder of the war's destructive power. Yet, amidst the ruins, a spark of hope remained. It was fanned by a man of faith and resilience, Abbot Gregorio Diamar. Diamar who had seen the Abbey's destruction and the pain it had caused to the Italian people, was determined to restore the Abbey to its former glory. The task was monumental. However, the reconstruction of the Abbey became a symbol of post-war recovery, 
and embodiment of the collective will to rebuild and recover. It attracted the attention of people from all walks of life architects, artisans, laborers, and even former soldiers who had fought in the battle. The initial phase of reconstruction began with the clearance of rubble and careful excavation of any remnants of historical and artistic significance. In this laborious task, the team was aided by photographic and architectural archives that documented the Abbey's pre-war state. Next came the rebuilding phase. Drawing upon the skills of master artisans and using traditional techniques, the team painstakingly recreated the Abbey's original features. Stone by stone, the Abbey began to reclaim its form against the Monte Cassino skyline. The support for the Abbey's reconstruction transcended national boundaries, reflecting its significance in the global cultural heritage. Funding came from around the world, from governments and private individuals alike. The Italian government, recognizing the Abbey's importance, provided significant resources for the reconstruction. Finally, after more than a decade of relentless work, the Abbey of Monte Cassino was officially reopened in 1964. The reconstructed Abbey stood tall against the Italian sky, a symbol of resilience, a testament to the indomitable human spirit, and a monument to peace reclaimed from the ashes of war. The Abbey's reconstruction was a poignant epilogue to the story of the Battle of Monte Cassino. It showed that even in the face of profound destruction, hope endures, and from the ashes, a new beginning can emerge. The memory of the Battle of Monte Cassino is more than a chapter in history books. It's a story written in the lives of those who lived through it, etched in the landscapes scarred by the battle, and honored in memorials that pay tribute to the human cost of the conflict. The Abbey itself serves as a potent reminder of the battle. Its reconstructed form stands as a symbol of resilience, a silent witness to the pain, sacrifice, and valor that unfolded beneath its walls. Each stone, each arch, each fresco whispers tales of the war, reminding us of the devastation that once befell this hallowed ground. Beyond the Abbey, numerous memorials and cemeteries across Monte Cassino and the surrounding areas serve as repositories of remembrance. Among them, the Polish War Cemetery holds a special place. It is the final resting place for over a thousand Polish soldiers who laid down their lives in the final assault. The cemetery, situated on the slopes of Monte Cassino, offers a poignant view of the Abbey, a silent testimony to their sacrifice. Another notable memorial is the Casino War Cemetery, housing the graves of Commonwealth soldiers. It is an evocative landscape of neat rows of tombstones, each marking a life lost in the quest for peace. Amidst the hushed whispers of the wind, one can almost hear echoes of the past, tales of valor, camaraderie, and sacrifice. Every year, commemorations take place across these sites, attracting veterans, their families, and individuals from all walks of life. Stories are shared, moments of silence observed, and respect paid to the brave souls who fought in the battle. Such gatherings are not only a tribute to those who fell, but also an affirmation of the peace they fought to secure. The Battle of Monte Cassino is also remembered through literature, films, and art. Works like Monte Cassino by Sven Hassel and The Day of Battle by Rick Atkinson bring to life the experiences of those who fought in the battle, 
allowing a glimpse into the human realities behind the historical event. In remembering the Battle of Monte Cassino, we honor not just the military strategy in the victories, but the human stories interwoven with it, tales of bravery, tales of sacrifice, and above all, tales of the enduring human spirit that even the brutality of war could not suppress. In the annals of history, the Battle of Monte Cassino holds a significant place. Yet, it is not just a military event but a chapter that encapsulates the essence of humanity amidst war courage, sacrifice, resilience, and hope. Its memory is a vivid tapestry of individual narratives, collective experiences, and far-reaching consequences that continue to shape our understanding of World War II and its aftermath. One aspect that prominently stands out in the historical memory of the battle is the internationality of the forces involved. The Allies' diverse composition American, British, Canadian, French, Polish, Indian, Moroccan, New Zealand, Australian, and South African units underscores the global scale of World War II. The battle serves as a poignant reminder of the international cooperation that proved crucial in challenging and ultimately overcoming the Axis powers. The story of the Monte Cassino Abbey, from its destruction to its painstaking reconstruction, also occupies a special place in historical memory. It serves as a metaphor for the broader narrative of World War II, the destructive impact of the conflict and the resilient post-war recovery. The Abbey, standing in its restored glory, is a symbol of hope and a testament to human spirit and perseverance. Yet, the Battle of Monte Cassino is also remembered for its controversial aspects. The decision to bomb the Abbey has been a subject of intense debate among historians and military strategists, raising ethical questions about the boundaries of warfare. It highlights the complex, often agonizing choices involved in wartime decision-making. The battle is also a stark reminder of the heavy toll of war, reflected in the substantial loss of life and the impact on civilians. The cemeteries and memorials scattered around Monte Cassino stand as silent testimonies to the human cost of the battle, urging us to remember and honor those who gave their lives. In the broader context of World War II, the Battle of Monte Cassino is often remembered as a turning point in the Italian campaign paving the way for the liberation of Rome and contributing to the eventual defeat of the Axis powers. Its strategic significance, coupled with its human narratives, has been extensively studied and reflected upon, shaping our understanding of the war. As the years pass, the Battle of Monte Cassino continues to resonate in historical memory, serving as a powerful reminder of humanity's capacity for both destruction and resilience. It is a chapter from the past that continues to impart lessons on war and peace, resilience and recovery, hope and sacrifice.